Hi, today is October 27th, 2023. My name is Juni, and welcome to the Theta Game Podcast. I'm not a financial advisor, and nothing I say is financial advice. I'm literally just a normal retail trader, just like you. I'm not certified or a graduate of finance, just a regular trader that started on Wall Street Bets years ago. I've lost a lot of money and made some of it back and more after finding a system that worked for me. I share my trades, system, and experiences all for free. Learn from my mistakes and get a better start than me, or use my experiences to help you rebound after you buying too many calls. You can view all of my trades for free at theatergang.com slash juni. No sign-up required, no pop-ups, no ads. You literally go to that link and you see them. Uh, and email me any questions that I'll answer on the podcast at juni at theatergang.com. There's also a cool Q&A feature on Spotify Podcasts where you can ask me questions directly in the app instead of email if you'd like. Lastly, I stream on Twitch every day the market is open for at least an hour at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Come hang out, ask me questions, vent, or just chill. It's a positive environment and everyone is welcome at twitch.tv slash realthetagang. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be tough going forward because... I have to record that intro in like one take because in the middle of it, you know, the the reason why you might want to continue listening, I switched that out. I'm going to make it, I'm going to try to make it unique in every podcast. I mean, also the date is unique every time I do it. Um, And that's at the very, that's the very first sentence, you know, the part where it says, I share my trade system and experiences all for free, learn from my mistakes and get a better start than me or use my experiences to help you rebound after. And I have all these one-liners that I put in here, similar to like, I guess how Bart writes on the chalkboard in the intro. So I'll see how long I can keep that up. I'll see how many reasons I can uh, uh, put in there. But yeah, that's gonna be a tricky thing to do moving forward that I set myself up for, but who doesn't like challenges? This week uh, was my very first week streaming, like, quote, full-time. This entire week, I've streamed at 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. And I say the turnout was really, really good. I have my normal numbers where I used to just stream once a week, but I have this sort of number consistently Monday Monday through Friday this week, which is really nice. I want to give a shout out to those that participated in chat this week just for my uh, basically my return to Twitch. And that's uh, Mr. Integrity, Asho. I'm going to abbreviate some of these because I that's how I abbreviate them when I say them on Twitch. Uh, Stan, uh, B-Team Streamer, Bomb Jester, W, Silvio, Master Yak, uh, Nut Them Balls, <laughs> Tron Connect, Arfman, Mahin, Bulk Ninja, Sad OST, Computer Boy, Jameson, and the real Big Stanky. Thank you all for participating in chat. Like, um, I know it's like nine o'clock in the morning Pacific time. Maybe it's like your lunch hour during lunchtime. So I understand if you're stuffing your face instead of typing. That's also cool. Um, but really, the first week on Twitch has been really good. Um, I've shown my portfolio, like I do every day, uh, all my trades, all my stocks, uh, all my. Um, options as well as i go over a few charts if you want to bring up anything we've talked we talked a little about vix we talked about costco we looked at amd together 
we do all these fun things. It's really driven by chat. If you come in with a question, I'll answer that question, and it might, you know, be a large part of the stream, or it could be just a quick answer and continuing on with the topic. It really doesn't matter. Just come and check it out. Again, twitch.tv slash realthetagang. The biggest report for this week, uh, the one that makes the most sense to start off with, is the GDP report. Um, the GDP uh, stands for Gross Domestic Product. Um, just to explain it, like uh, I guess a little bit simpler, it's like a big math puzzle that helps us figure out how much stuff a country makes in a year. Imagine a country is like a giant factory and inside this factory, people are working to make things like uh, toys, maybe food, cars, and houses. GDP is adding up the value of all the things that we make in the factory. So if we make a lot of things, the GDP is big. If we make fewer things, the GDP is smaller. Uh, it helps us understand how well a country is doing in terms of making and selling stuff or like how productive we are. Uh, people use GDP to see if a country's economy is strong and growing or if it's not doing so well. It's like keeping score for a country's economy. The report uh, says that GDP rose 4.9% annually, which is a lot and on pace with growth from pre-pandemic levels. Um, typically, this is a good thing, right? We like to see our uh, country be productive, business booming, economy hot, but there's a lot of criticism online that's due to the uh, liquidity injection, which is a fancy way of saying money added, print, printed, printer goes burr, all that sort of stuff, where the government put in the stipend for COVID and whatnot, which really made inflation go higher. And, you know, if people are still buying things when inflation is high, yes, that can uh, go into the GDP. But a lot of people are still saying that this is a, you know, a sort of bogus number just because of how much money was injected. I, for one, don't necessarily have an opinion on this. Um, I see GDP being important as it's a main driver in a lot of the macro sort of level of trading. Like GDP is good, typically trade or stocks trade really well uh, just because everyone gets feels better about the economy. This time around, the GDP, GDP report came out and the stock market was very red that day. So, you know, the I guess the investor slash trader sentiment doesn't really believe in GDP, um, or at least this number. Uh, but we'll see how the next one plays out and we'll see where we go from here. Okay, uh, this week, earnings. There were a lot of good earnings reports this week, just a lot in general. It, it was a very earnings-packed week. Uh, I wrote a few notes, which I take every day. I have like an hour dedicated to writing uh, summaries of all the earnings that were particular to me. Uh, these are not like a summary of all the earnings that happened. Of course, that would take freaking forever to write reports on or summaries on. But so these are the companies that I think were worth writing a summary about. And this is, I guess... One of the main reasons people listen to this podcast, uh, as I got feedback in my email, is that people like this sort of snack bite uh, little chunk of you know current news uh, that I get to bring. So yeah, we're going to dive into earnings now. All right, um, Logitech is first up. Um, the main notes I have here is that guidance is up, which means the company reported that hey we're gonna make more in the future and that's always a good thing 
Uh, losses are slowing, uh, which I guess Logitech was, was just at a loss earlier. They're returning to pre-pandemic growth, which is a cool bullet point because remember, when we all went under lockdown, everyone had to buy a webcam and there was a webcam shortage, which Logitech really took advantage of and they looked great on paper and they skyrocketed. A lot of that growth has been corrected and um, with following this really good urge report, they were up 12% after hours. I also have a little note here that said $72 seems like a solid entry point considering that you could put on a cash secured put. Um, on Tuesday of writing the note, you were able to pick up a CSP for 65 bucks. So that was, that's pretty good. I mean, if for a company that's as stable as Logitech, I mean, large correction, sure. But really, Logitech is one of the best peripheral companies out there. Peripheral meaning like keyboard, mice, webcam, all the boring office stuff that your office expenses. They're one of the staple companies. And if you're a fan of Logitech products, this is something that you might want to consider. Next up is Visa. Visa with an earnings beat. They beat on revenue and earnings per share. They announced a $25 million buyback and it ultimately traded flat. Um, so just when I say ultimately traded flat, it's important to say because if you had bought puts or bought calls, you would have lost either side. Earnings do in fact stay dangerous. Uh, another point about buybacks, a buyback is when a company purchases own shares so that there's less shares in the market, thus making there be like a scarcity factor. Not that they buy back so many that there are only a few left, but buying back a good chunk does help the stock. It shows that the company is, uh, I guess, confident in the uh, in its own like in its own progress. Uh, something to note, though, is that just because they announce a $25 million buyback does not mean that they are going to spend all $25 million. So a lot of people get this mixed up is they hear some company doing like a billion dollar buyback and they like lose their minds. But it's always like up to, right? It's always an up to. So Visa in this case is up to $25 million in buybacks. We don't know the actual number of what they buy back. It's hard to actually see. Um, there might be a column inside Yahoo Finance that you get to see what they've spent on invest on like investing strategies or whatever they're doing as a company to invest in, and maybe the buyback is included in that number. But unless if the company actually reports that number like explicitly, it's muddied up with a whole bunch of other numbers. So it's very hard to tell how much they've exactly bought in back. So in summary, Visa did really well. The consumer is doing really strong. The consumer is willing to buy things on credit, uh, aka debt. But at the end, the consumer is strong. Ooh, and real quick, before I go on to the next company, yeah, just because the consumer is strong doesn't mean uh, the consumer is smart. Uh, yeah, they could be spending money that they don't have on a credit card, thus Visa winning. There's a lot of um, you know debt crisis news uh, coming around where people are just in way too much debt. There's so much debt being passed around, being floated, never being paid back. And that is an issue, and that's one of the main headlines you'll see uh, in the near future. You've already seen a bunch of them still. Um, but yeah, I just want to note that just because I say the consumer is strong, it doesn't necessarily mean the consumer is smart. A lot of people do pay with things and debt, which 
in America that's sort of incentivized because going bankrupt or filing for bankruptcy is so lenient. But, you know, that's a whole other topic for another episode. Ooh, this one is big. Okay, so Snapchat reported this week as well. Um, after two quarters of declining revenue, Snap finally posted a quarter where revenue grew. Grew by 5%. They commented digital ads are still rebounding. Snap remains unprofitable. Net loss of $368 million for the third quarter. That's this quarter that was just reported. And that's still about the same as last year. So they're still losing the same amount of money as they did last year. Nothing's really changed, uh, but the revenue grew just a little bit. Um, leaked and confirmed email boasts about 20% ad revenue goal increase for next year, 2024, which gets people hyped, right? Snapchat went up about 12% because of that, quote, leaked email where the CEO said, hey, we're going to make 20% more ad revenue next year. Um, so they just confirmed it in the call. And so that's not just a leak and a rumor, but rather a leak and a confirmation. Snapchat in this last quarter um, is now up to 406 million users, up 12% from a year ago. They expected 410 to 412 million, so they missed their target of about 4 million users, which I don't quite know what the impact is for that and their future revenue and stuff. I'm not typically a social media investor, um, though I do like the Becky index. I think Snapchat would be a part of that. Um, if someone wanted to explain to me just how impactful this might be, then that'd be cool in my email. But really, four million off doesn't seem crazy. But if you're, you know, if you're trying to meet your own ex- expectations and you don't meet that, ah, it's not not the best of signs uh, from my perspective. Uh, Snap's chief operating officer. Uh, is retiring with no one to replace him yet. I don't know how impactful a CEO is at some place like Snap, um, but that's uh, one bit of news. Um, And lastly, I have here, Snap ultimately traded flat. It went up bigly, then down bigly, and then ended very slightly up, like flat. Like We're talking cents up. Earnings are continuing to be dangerous. If you had bought in calls or bought in puts, you would have lost huge. The IV on Snap was a lot, so you would have played. <clears throat> Ooh, sorry, I had to take a sip of uh, Diet Coke there. Um, so if you had, a, if you would have bought on either side, you would have lost big. The implied volatility uh, baked into the price of the option. If the stock is more volatile, aka it can, it has the potential to go up a lot or has the potential to go down a lot that volatility is a premium. You have to pay extra for a stock that might go up big or down big. It makes sense too, right? If it's more probable to go up big, then you're going to have to pay more in general. So this is just a very prime example. If you have bought in any side, the bearish side or the bullish side, you would have gotten destroyed. Um, But I know that you did not get destroyed. Because you know that earnings are dangerous and that if you did play, you only lost a little bit because you're playing for fun, right? Microsoft is next. Earnings beat revenue and earnings per share is up. Um, ended up 4% for the day. Uh, it finished the $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. So that's cool. Also nice. Um, there's a lot of cool things coming with this acquisition from the gaming space. Um, 
I'm not gonna go too too in depth with it, but the changes that are coming into the gaming space via this acquisition all look pretty good. So we'll see, you know, if Microsoft can turn Blizzard or Activision around, uh, just because Bobby, the old CEO of uh, Blizzard, not such a great reputation. But we'll see where everything goes. Uh, their cloud AI computing uh, division is also up, so that's great because we're going to another company that's cloud division isn't doing as hot in the future. Um, Microsoft earlier in the year also made a $10 billion investment to OpenAI, famous for ChatGPT, is used everywhere. Uh, there's tons of cool plugins for it. It's very community-driven, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Again, not sure what their return on investment is, but because they have made that investment into ChatGPT or OpenAI, um, I'm sure that they'll get a competitive edge over someone like Google or any other platform that might want to take advantage of that. So speaking of cloud growth, Google, Google's cloud growth uh, is down, which is shocking for the company as its cloud um, division, it does normally pretty well. Um, returning to also double digit growth, which is great, be on revenue and earnings per share. Also on YouTube ad revenue, um, the slowing cloud growth uh, went, sent the stock into a minus 9% day. Uh, and Google has since corrected just a little bit more as well. Um, what I like about Google and what I like about what's happening with YouTube uh, from the stock side is that they're doing a little bit more to combat uh, ad blocker. As a consumer, I like using ad blocker, but I can also see why providing a service you would want to incentivize watching ads, which sucks i really the reality of it is that youtube i'm sure is really expensive to run because there's so many employees that work for youtube and the data center costs for all these like high quality videos on youtube youtube is the king or slash queen of the you know of the long form content space you know tiktok is great for short short form content but youtube also has shorts now um, YouTube Shorts, which are their f shorter version of uh, YouTube clips. Other platforms uh, easily integrate ads into their timelines or feeds when people are watching multiple re reels and stuff. Um, but when it comes to YouTube, it's just a little bit more disruptive where people are forced to, like, say, watch a commercial for something. And it's just a little bit more of a tiptoe line where p when they add more ads, it's more noticeable. Uh, because you can't just quickly swipe through it like you can on TikTok or Instagram Reels. Um, so the internet is just, it's paid for by ads. Like everything that you do on the internet really is ad, is just ad driven. So I can see how Google wants to put ad, more ads on YouTube. It's going to be a weird shift where we're actually paying for YouTube where people that want YouTube service, if you you're if you're like me, I watch YouTube like literally all day. I have a I have a monitor for YouTube. I have a monitor for everything else I'm doing in that particular time. If it's like coding or something, I'm doing that. But YouTube is a huge part of my day. I do pay for YouTube Premium now, but who knows? Maybe this uh, cat and mouse situation that's going to happen between AdBlocker and YouTube will ramp up. Maybe there's a chance that I cancel my YouTube premium for ad blocker again if it starts working. But till this to this point, ah, I just rather just choose choose the more like headache free option. Okay, up next is IBM. Uh, they beat on revenue and their earnings per share number. 
in the first nine months, IBM has generated 5.12 billion in free cash flow. That's a lot, uh, and reiterated its full-year goal of reaching 10.5 billion. So what that means is IBM would need to generate an additional 5 billion in cash flow in about a third of the time. Uh, maybe the market is more forgiving of this goal. I didn't see how that could remotely be possible, um, but the stock was up after hours. So again. I'm not a quant. I'm not like a really big like numbers guy. Um, if the market really thinks that they could pull off that goal, maybe they're pricing that in a little bit. I have no idea. Um, you know, we see like Snapchat, for example, missing their expected user count, where IBM is. I guess you know they do say that they're on track to essentially doubling that number in the third of the time. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, the stock was up after hours and continues to be up. Okay, uh, Meta is up next. They beat on earnings per share and revenue by a huge margin. Daily active user count was beat. Uh, monthly user count met expectations and average revenue per user also went up. Uh, their guided revenue also up. Total costs and expenses declined by 7%. So there, maybe that also just includes that op, uh, operating margin number. Um, and this is all stemming from Zuckerberg's year of efficiency campaign. Uh, Meta says it's, it expects Reality Labs. That's their augmented and virtual reality sort of segment of their business. Um, the losses of that division to increase meaningfully year over year. So they're choosing to still put more and more money into Reality Labs, which I'm sure is the main reason why the stock actually ended up down. I don't think investors are sold anymore on the metaverse or AR, VR right now. Uh, so it could just be, you know, investors really just taking the profits right now with Meta's uh, great performance so far um, since the year of efficiency has started, uh, and then hearing that they're going to put more money into Reality Labs maybe scared some investors off. Amazon was up next. Uh, they blew the earnings per share number expectations right out the water. It was $0.94 cents per share versus 58 which is a huge difference. Uh, revenue expectations also beat by $2 billion. Uh, AWS or their web services uh, missed by a hundred million, but advertising being up by half a billion. Uh, consumer is strong and Amazon is doing well after cost-cutting efforts, like its twenty-seven thousand employee layoff. Amazon's advertising growth was more than Meta's or and or Google's. Um, so, the consumers continue to be strong, uh, as reported by Amazon. Um, and AWS missing by 100 million is sort of in line with Google also with their cloud services going down. So not entirely sure if that's really huge if this slowing of cloud is done at a macro level um, because you know a lot of people I'm sure was scared of Google slowing down cloud because what if it's just a Google thing? But seeing AWS also miss is relieving as a Google shareholder myself. Um, but from an Amazon standpoint, their advertising going up is great. Their year of efficiency that they're doing with their layoffs, with their 27,000 um, employee layoff is also a good thing from a capitalistic uh, perspective. Um, and yeah, uh, Amazon, I'd say had a pretty strong earnings report. 
So up next is Intel. Uh, I'm pretty big in uh, trading semiconductor stocks. It's one of the few stocks that I feel really comfortable with and owning a lot of shares with. Um, Intel had, I think, my favorite earnings report. Uh, they beat on revenue and earnings per share by a huge margin, nearly double the expected earnings per share and half a billion over revenue expectations. Uh, Intel has also gone through layoffs, about 10,000 employees being uh, laid off and looking to continue to cut costs by $3 billion this year. So that's great. Operating expenses right now have declined about 15% just a year ago. So they're also in the year of efficiency. Um, all of this is not good news, though. Their AI division sales were down 10%. And laptop and PC processors down 3%, and their network edge division uh, is down 32%. Uh, to cap this, uh, Intel said that it remains on track to catch up with Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company's chip making technology by 2025, a plan the company calls five nodes in four years. So it's been two years into where they say that they want to try to manufacture chips in the U.S. at their foundries, so that's pretty cool. And hearing from the CEO that the progress is on track is relieving because it is a really big effort, a very expensive one at that. And it is a little bit cool to hear that we're bringing some of the manufacturing back into the U.S. That means more jobs, but it also means that you know, NVIDIA and AMD can start making chips within the U.S. Of course, labor costs are just a little bit more expensive in the U.S., so we'll see if those um, costs get passed down to the consumer. Maybe graphics cards and CPUs get a little bit more expensive this way, but uh, this does avoid a lot of, like, international law where, you know, having these deals with Taiwan, you know, the, the China risk is always there. You know, China potentially invading um, and then Taiwan, like TSM having to shut down. Like, we, we just don't know. We don't know what would necessarily happen or when it would happen, if it would happen. But, you know, Intel having foundries in the U.S., uh, having deals with NVIDIA or AMD, none of which I've seen or heard from, like, in an in official capacity. But it can happen, right? Like, there'd be government subsidies to make that happen, and um, it'd just be more and more likely going into the future. For everyone that's involved with electric vehicle stocks, which I know are a lot of people, because that was a lot of there was a lot of hype in EVs in 2021 and 2022. Um, one of the biggest uh, headlines I saw for earnings was Ford. Ford will pause 12 billion dollars in investment as buyers become more reluctant to pay premium for an electric vehicle. Um, Ford's EV unit or division lost $3.1 billion through these three quarters this year. And so up until this last earnings report, they've lost $3.1 billion on this. Ford struck a deal with the United Auto Workers Labor Union, which projected it cost $1.3 million. And this resulted in them withdrawing further guidance, which is always not good. Uh, if you have to withdraw guidance and you don't know where you're going to go as a company, investors don't necessarily like that. Uh, this is great for the workers, but not good for the stock. Um, I wrote a note here also that says, heavily consider where you are on your cost basis here for Ford. Ford's P.E. ratio was heavily reliant on this EV stuff working out. It doesn't seem like it's working out for now. So, you know, earnings reports are great because you get more information and you can trade on that information. If you're in a long stock position, 
Uh, I'm not necessarily saying sell, but I'm definitely saying that you should come up with a plan if you don't have one already. You don't want to just sit there and just hope that one day it's going to go back up. Because while that might work, you know, someday you might get hit with a bigger red day than expected and you might make an emotional decision. You might see Ford, Ford might be on top of where it might be red, and you emotionally sell. But if you come up with a plan right now, you'll do a lot better on those red days, which are more than likely going to have if all this recession news uh, comes true. Next up, we got Chipotle Mexican Grill uh, beat on revenue and earnings per share due to rising uh, menu prices in reaction to rising cost of food. Uh, Chipotle will raise prices again in April, this coming April, which is in six months, half a year, when minimum wage moves up to $20. Uh, that's quite a bit. Chipotle is also uh, super expensive now. I go there maybe once a month. I used to go there maybe like once a week, but once a month now. I don't know if that's just a change in my diet or a change in budget, but that's that's one thing or one data point you can have. Uh, revenue is going up and the percentage of digital sales is going down. Uh, they are reportedly doing well with not just all income levels, but especially low income. So this this resonates with a lot of recent news that has been coming out, and I want to put extra emphasis on this low income part. Low income, I'm not even talking about just like, quote, poor people. I'm talking about like college students and people that might not have money yet. Uh, people are still choosing to buy Chipotle, even though they might be tight on money, which means it tastes good or it's part of the routine or something about the store is really easy to just go in and order food. It might be a culmination of all these things, but the low income uh, customer retention is really high with Chipotle, which is really, really good to hear for stocks right now because of this recession fear, right? Like you want low income people to continue buying your product because low income people are the 99%. The 1% are the really rich. They'll always be able to afford Chipotle. But when you hear that the 99% is still willing to go to this store because it is either so tasty, maybe very efficient, maybe easy on the way home, the digital app is really good, it is really, really good for the stock. So the stock also went up uh, quite a bit after earnings. And um, yeah, this news very on par with how the consumer is strong uh, despite the rate hikes, on par with how Visa is reporting, uh, and on par with just about everything else. MasterCard is next. Earnings per share beats, revenue beat, but ultimately down as it guided a weak fourth quarter due to potential rate hikes by the Fed. Uh, MasterCard thinks the, the Fed will hike. I personally think that the Fed will hike. I think the stock market is doing this really weird thing where it's calling the bluff. Like I think they're just trying to get money in uh, before the Fed tries to pause or they're trying to bluff a pause where they're trying to prop the market up and they're saying, hey, you know, the market's really up. If you if you raise rates, the market will fall and it will make you look bad. I feel like there's some sort of thing like that going on. Uh, but of course, that's my own oogla booga. None of that could be true. It's just my feelings and emotions getting the best of me. Um, so I think that the Fed will hike. Um, just with inflation numbers, um, just still not being quite where they need to be, uh, in my opinion. I feel like it just needs to happen maybe like one or two more times and then let it let it coast. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that that's all I got for MasterCard. Up last 
is UPS, earnings per share beat but missed on revenue expectations. What missing on revenue expectations means for UPS is there's not enough packages being delivered. Their operating margins sit at only 4.5%, which means that they're not making a lot of money per sale, which means they're not making a lot of money per package. Um, UPS being very volume focused because if their operating margins are only 4.5%, they need to deliver a lot of packages. So this has led to them missing revenue for this quarter. Uh, the company also reported that it's they didn't miss this quarter because of the strike or the delivery driver compensations being raised. They said it had nothing really to do with that, which I don't quite know how true that is because I'm sure that eats into the margins at in some form. But, I mean, if they reported it, uh, I guess it also has to be true. It's a tough time for UPS right now, and we'll see just, you know, where the stock goes from here. There's some support uh, a little bit further below at around the 120 mark. I think it's trading around the 130s right now. So we'll see where UPS ends up in the next few months. Up next is today's episode topic. Um, it comes from Wall Street Bets. I want to make this topic about a very common post that I'd say. Uh, it's one of the main reasons why I do this podcast. And so, you know, with my return on the podcast and, you know, the stream, I want to start off my first, like, real episode with a topic that really resonates with me. The post that we're talking about today is, uh, it's titled 100K Lost Over the past two years, I'm 28 years old and in major debt. I feel so suicidal. Uh, I probably put this a post into my notes on, you know, I'm trying to look back because I don't have timestamps on my notes here, but uh, I think I put it into my notes maybe on Wednesday this week or either that on Tuesday. But wow, yeah, I, I saw this post. I mean, the word suicide, there's a lot of stigma on it. Uh, but of course, trying to make it have less stigma because we want to talk about it more just because, you know, it's I'm, I don't want to say it's rampant and, and cause like dr too much drama over it. But there is a large amount of suicides that happen every year that don't need to happen. Um, something a little bit unsettling about this post is that the user has deleted their user account and the post was removed from the uh, subreddit or the content of it, at least. Uh, maybe that's because of the user deletion. I'm not quite sure how Reddit works. Um, but just talking about it, you know, 100K lost over two years. So we're talking about they might have started with 100K uh, in 2021, you know, still maybe going up in the COVID rally. Market's hot, joining the market. You know, you're 28 years old. You, you maybe saved up a lot of money and you go in. And then over two years, you lose all of it, you know, or at least most of it. You maybe have a few dollars left in your account, um, and it sucks. I'm not gonna pretend that like something like this is something that you should just like. Ah, yeah, it's just money. Just get over it. Uh, it does suck. Uh, you should take time to reflect on it and you know sort of grieve. Uh, but you do have to have a plan for after that sort of moment where you do realize you have lost a bunch of money. When you make a post like this, you know, I, I feel like you're at rock bottom. If, you're, if your main mode of expression on losing $100,000 and feeling suicidal and, you know, 
your go-to is posting on a subreddit, you're probably at rock bottom. And you know, at rock bottom is when you probably need the most external amount of help. And that includes like hanging out with friends um, and hanging out with family. You know, I would, I would even like put it on you to just like go hang out with your friends and family and don't even bring it up. Just like be in their presence and just try to be as normal as possible. If you do want to bring it up, like by all means, if you have that close knit connection with your friends or family, then so be it. I know that it's a very sensitive topic. No one likes talking about finance. And it's not, it's not easy for me to just recommend like, oh yeah, just, just go up to like a friend and just talk about this over because you know, some friends give really good advice. Some friends don't give advice at all. Some friends give really bad advice. So this is absolutely on you to justify or just to like sort of, you know, choose who you want to tell this to if you want to. But number one is definitely just getting outside, hanging out with people, getting finding a hobby, uh, because this is something uh, that's not easy to get over on your own. One of the main reasons why I have the podcast and or stream is so I could provide a place or a safe place for people to like vent, you know, like as I as I mentioned earlier in my intro, you know, you could come in vent, you could chill, you don't, even have to, you don't have to chat, but you'll know that you have like a friend just like showing up there 9 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash real thing that you can just, you know, have this place where you can just go and show up because showing up just like i mentioned like showing up to hang out with your friends showing up to hang out with your family that's the most important part you have to just show up whether it's my stream or it's not it's someone else's stream you know if it's um hanging out with a friend that you haven't talked to in a while like a lot of these sort of hangouts really remind you that it's not about the money right like yes you had a blunder and it sucks, right? Like I've also lost a whole bunch of money before. I think, oh man, I, I didn't feel, I've never felt suicidal over trading ever. Uh, I'm trying to just think, I have been really, really bummed that I've lost like 20K in one trade before. Like I remember trading earnings on like a bio biopharmaceutical company, um, I've done I've done earnings just that culminated up to maybe 20k and in, like independent events um, that I felt really bad about. Uh, but after all of that, right, I turned out okay because I started trading more responsibly. You know, I found that like as long as I do what I call quote unquote responsible trading, if I do it methodically enough, I can make it back, and which I did, right? So maybe in my worstest of times, I've been down about 80K, which is not too far from 100K. Um, th that, of course, was more of 80K down on long shares that I was holding. So a lot of that was be able to be gained back from me just holding and, you know, not giving up, um, you know, not giving into feeling so bummed I do anything, um, you know, bad. <clears throat> but there was always hope. Like, Thinking about this way, where you could have potentially spent like the money you've lost or $100,000 on a sports car, and then you could have sped in that sports car being so happy that you finally afforded it, and you just want to take it for like a maybe more than average speed limit, and you get an accident, and then maybe that's even worse, right? Like everything I think happens for a reason. If you lost 100K due to trading, 
you would have probably spent that 100K doing something much more irresponsible. Because <clears throat> if you were trying to get, if you're trying to put in 100K in an irresponsible way of trading throughout a long period of time, you would have probably spent that 100K doing something else equally as bad. But now you're just cognizant of it now after getting checked. And that's okay because what makes <clears throat> living life so cool is that we're able to like analyze and go through these challenges and then learn from them. And then it grows you as a person. Like imagine the amount of wisdom that you're able to give to the next person after losing a lot of money. You know, like you're going to make sure that if once you have kids, if you want kids or if you know, if you if you have anyone that looks up to you, you can pass down this little nugget of information of like, hey, you know what? Options trading is really, really dangerous. You should do this other style of trading or maybe just put it in SPY or QQQ and you'll be off in a better place. You know, you like you'll you'll have a better start than me. I'm going to pass this on to you. And this is how I have fulfillment. Ooh. So just to summarize, step number one is definitely getting out of the house and hanging out with people. You know, if, it, if you don't have friends and you don't have family that you can hang out with, then finding a community that's positively driven on the internet is also good. Like there's a lot of cool, positive Twitch streamers that have really positive chats just on twitch.tv. Uh, in general, like you don't have to come to mine. You could go to anyone else's. Like if you're into video games, there's a lot of cool video game related channels where the streamer is really nice and the community is just more like cheering on the streamer and the streamer sort of interacts with the chat. It's a cool experience for those that might not have as many friends or family uh, IRL or in real life. Step number two is after you've given it some time, after you've started hanging out with people, found your community, it's time for you to come up with a plan or a non-plan, right? Like you have to choose whether or not like, hey, you know, do I want to make this back through trading? Do I want to make this loss back by working? Uh, what are my major debts? What are my percentages on those debts? Which do I need to pay off first? Putting those in an Excel sheet will make it a lot more manageable, right? Like if you just know that you have a lot of debt, but you don't actually take time to write things down and tackle it little piece by little piece, it's going to feel really, really overwhelming. So number one is, you know, manage how much debt you have, meaning like you write it all down and you know which ones are the biggest percentages and which ones you need to pay off first. And then number one, and then number two is really like keep the job that you probably have because you've done a great job, by the way, of getting 100k just in your bank account in general not a lot of people can do that but if you can do it once you can do it again you're only 28 i am 30 right now and you are making me feel really young or reminding me that i'm also very young um, and it's never too late but here's my other point that i want to make is that you should not expect to make it all back trading Right, like, don't force yourself to be in the mindset where, hey, I know a little bit more than before, and I'm not gonna make the same mistake again. I'm just gonna try for the, try for the moon and make it all back. That thinking is maybe what got yourself into this total of 100k loss in the first place. This mode of thinking of being able to make it back, famously known as like the gambler's fallacy, uh, you know, doing the same strategy. Oh, just a few more times, I'll make it back again. 
um, it's it's really it's really addictive, you know. It's because you made you might have made a lot, which made you think of irresponsibly betting it. You might have thought it made a lot because you see a lot of gains posts, which is one of the main reasons why I don't like seeing gains on social media because it's not a fair picture of all the losses that are behind it. Um, so all this false confidence will make you think that hey, I just need to tweak a few of these like things that I do in trading and I should be able to make it all back. That is not the answer, right? So you either think about making your debt back or paying your debt back by either working and just working diligently, growing your career. You're more than just your uh, nest egg. You're, you're, you're also your career, your coworkers, uh, your environment that you go to every day while you're at work. That's a major part of your life and that's something that you could like fundamentally grow in if you're that's how you seek fulfillment too. Um, but if you want to explore different trading options, you gotta pick up something that's more slow, more methodical, something similar to what I did. Um, I'm not gonna necessarily tell you um, like, oh, you should just go all in and spy and just leave it at that. There are so many responsible ways to trade. Uh, that don't include options. So it's just going to be up to you to sort of explore those options. Dollar cost averaging is a very popular option, like on a regular interval. I might have talked about that before. Um, but really, don't think like you have to make it all back with the same strategy. That's probably one of the biggest things that I see in my emails, talking about when people get got and get got again, is when people think that they can make it back doing the same thing. Whew. A bit of a heavy topic today, but um, it definitely starts the podcast return in the right light, right? Like I can be funny. I can I can be a positive dude. I'm actually probably 99% of the time very, very positive, like super cheery, super go lucky, like whatever. Uh, when it comes to stuff like this, I like to show a little bit more empathy um, towards, you know, someone that might not be feeling as good, right? Like no one likes the the cheery motivator when you're feeling super down in the dumps. Um, you know, I thought this episode also played really, really well um, into what my mission statement is uh, going forward. I didn't previously have one uh, for ThetaGang.com or, or the ThetaGang podcast, uh, but I wrote several drafts um, over the like the last few months while I was taking a break, and all of the features I'm building, everything that I'm really honing in on when I'm producing content, making content, coding, um, coming up with new features for the website, it all sort of relies on this mission statement here. Um, again, I wrote this up over a few months. This is probably the best version of it so far. Maybe it's revised in the future, but it goes like this. The mission is to build a community for traders that promotes open dialogue, ongoing learning, and fearless trading. We aim to prevent tragedies like suicide, by nurturing a community that values education, empathy, and the well-being of every member. I can talk ins and outs of why I chose every single word for this mission statement. I love this mission statement. It's going to go forward with me for as long as it can, as it stays relevant. And maybe, yeah, as times change, it could change just a little bit here and there. But the core of it stays the same. I want to provide the community where it's not about making the biggest gains possible. I want to be able to learn. 
I want to be able to learn from the people on the platform because I'm still learning too. I might teach a little bit on the podcast. I might teach a little bit on the stream, but I'm always, always learning, right? Like I, this is what makes trading fun for me. Uh, it's one of the real reasons why I do it. I can't say that I quite do this just for fun anymore because I do this full time and this is my job now because I was laid off and I'm really leaning into this now. But I do want to keep this at the forefront. I want to be the safe place where you can go and talk about your losses, you know, talk about any bad trades that might have happened. Maybe you don't get like a financially, uh, uh, like a finance person answering your thing with a cert- certification or whatnot, but you can vent, you could talk about it, and it, you won't fear like you're going to be ridiculed or something, right? Like the internet, big space. There's lots of really nice people. There's some bad people, you know, if that's for a very optimistic point of view. But I want there to be a very core piece or a core space of the internet where you can go and you can talk about your trades. And that's on my stream. You can be in chat talking about your trades. You can go on the website, thetagame.com, talk about your trades. You can talk about your trades through my email at junior.thetagame.com. Just know that there's one person that cares. Uh, feel free to send me an email at juni at thetagang.com. Um, you know, it, really, like, I can't, I can't put that side. Oh, ooh, I gotta pause. I can't emphasize enough how important this mission is to me. So every feature that I build is always trying to improve. Just like you know, can users communicate better? Can we provide more feel-good moments on the platform? Um, you know, it's I'm not it's there's no leaderboard because I don't want people to like pretend that you're you're the best trader because you only upload winners and there's a huge number for profits, right? That, that there's a very big reason why so many people ask for leaderboards, but there's not a leaderboard on the website. So I hope that you know after listening to this podcast episode, I promise the next one will be more of a feel good one. Um, that you get a little bit more of a glimpse on like why the podcast and the stream um, and the website sort of exists is being transparent helps us be more uh, open to talking about our losses and learning from each other. And from learning with each other, we build trust. And it's just a cool community to hang out with. Uh, if you want to support, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash where you can become a patron and you get a few cool perks. Um, if you want to just continue enjoying the free content, just continue enjoying the free content. The chat on Twitch is free. My emailing my email is free and listening to the podcast is free. The website is also free. Yeah. So just stick around and I hope to see everybody next week. Bye-bye. This podcast, the website, and stream are all made possible because of my patrons at patreon.com slash thetagang. Signing up helps keep the services up and alive, as well as pay my own personal bills like health insurance. Uh, I do this podcast, website, and stream full-time and is my primary source of income. I feel grateful to do this full-time and my focus on providing the best services possible for free. The podcast, website, and stream are all free, and it'll stay that way. Signing up for Patreon does give you a few perks, though, so check it out again at patreon.com slash if you're interested in helping support. Um, yeah, we had a, uh, one or two signups uh, since the last episode, and thank you so much for those that have. 
Um, you know, I'm still about halfway of breaking even on rent and health insurance, but this is cool. It's a little bit scary because my, I, you know, I used to be a nine to fiver. This is a very new thing, um, but it does feel good that there's some traction gaining. I think some people are happy that the podcast is back. I am too. This is a very cool thing to do that I miss doing. Um, but I do want to give this special shout out to my patrons here. Let me give it a pause and then look them up. All right. A uh, special shout out to uh, Fancy Wolf, Los Pepes, Mods, Upstream Puddle, Seneca, Ensis88, Terrain Trader, EDC, Kevlar22, Nala, Slow Motion, Rustier, The Jester, Grandpa95, Chicken Dinner, Jack O' Lantern, Bob, Kaput, Sumatrix, Statistically Random, Turbo Ricky, Maestro, Lord Skeletor, Major, Avrilian, The Nude 9000, McFly, Mr. Integrity, Roastered, Bearded Savage, Andy V, Arfman, Can't Make Money, IRL, and Maltman1856. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for allowing me to give this an attempt at going full-time. I'm very grateful and hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thank you and bye-bye. All right. Um... Welcome to the 1% section. A little bit about my personal life going on. Um, so the first week of stream was super cool. Uh, I have just about the same amount of people showing up to this stream than when I was doing it back in the day. Uh, doing it once a week on Wednesday nights, remember? Uh, but now, or rather, was it Tuesday? It was, it was one of those days. Uh, but now I'm doing it again Monday through Friday or whenever the markets open at 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's twitch.tv slash realthetagang. And the turnout's been really good. Um, thank you for all the subs and all the subscribers that have signed up. Um, you know, a lot of that, again, goes to my self-sufficiency as doing this full time is kind of scary. But wow. Yeah, the turnout's been more than I can ask for. The chat is pretty active. Uh, for the amount of people that are in there. I think I'm averaging about like 15 people now. So that's really cool to see uh, because I do this daily. So, you know, when the stream maybe happens once a week, there's a larger turnout because people know like, hey, you know, if I'm busy today, Junie will be on tomorrow and whatnot. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, let me see. Yes, I spent a lot of time uh, like kind of making the stream look prettier, sound better. And I think that's really paid off. It, it feels a lot more motivating to go into the the stream now because I know that it looks, you know, I won't say it looks amazing, but from my standards, from what it looked before, it does feel better. You know, like I'm a little bit more proud of the stream now. I've updated the schedule a bit, put in a few plugins for the description page of Twitch. Um, and it, yeah, again, feels good to be back. Um, I think most people know by now because I mentioned it uh, somewhat frequently that I got laid off. Um, some of the positives that come with being laid off, minus the scary bits like not having like a stable income. Um, I've lost weight. Um, I've lost on average about nine pounds. I think that's probably from lower stress levels, right? Like I feel like as I'm bored during the workday, maybe in meetings that I don't want to be in, um, it puts just stress. You know, some people are just like, oh, what's so hard about working from home or just sitting in your chair, being in a meeting, um, that's where the mental health part of it comes in. Uh, because, you know, if you're working uh, like a construction job, 
you know, like you finish your construction job, you feel pretty tired at the end of the day because you exhaust a lot of physical energy. You got told what to do, so maybe like your mental um, cognition's not that um, exercise. You know, you just kind of do what you're being told. It's hard work. I'm not gonna take that away. Um, but when you go home, you don't gotta worry about work no more. But when you work at from home, you kind of just do that all day. I mean, that also depends on the type of worker you are and if you compartmentalize work and all that other stuff. Because you know, we're not all cookie cutter. Everyone's sort of different. Um, but I'm finding that I'm binge eating less. Um, you know, I used to eat at late at night all the time, um, but now I don't binge eat at night or really f- during the day, um, just because I usually eat like a yogurt now in the morning before jujitsu, and then after jujitsu, I'll usually eat a sandwich I make from home. Talk about like recession meal, right? Like. Um, but yeah, I'll make a sandwich, uh, with some chips that I'll buy if they're on sale and stuff. Um, what else do I want to say on that? Yeah. Lost nine pounds on average. It's a, it's a big deal in me because this makes cutting weight for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu so much easier for me now. Cause I used to hover in between two weight classes. Now I'm at the upper end of the weight class that I used to compete at, which I used to cut for. So that feels pretty motivating. If I lose a little bit more weight, I could cut down to the lower weight class, which is fun. You know, there's there's pros and cons to weight cutting. Keeps things a bit fair, though it is dangerous for like the grapplers or the fighters. Um, I wish there could be rear like rear <laughs> year round uh, weight checks, uh, where maybe we take an average of your weight around per year, but that's just kind of hard to do and the. Uh, the logistics of that, I don't know how that would really work. You know, if you have to log your weight on an official scale, you go somewhere every day that's official, all that stuff. Um, but for smaller for smaller events, weight cutting or like having weight divisions weight makes way more sense than having every amateur fighter that might only fight one time or have a, you know, might grapple only one time in competitive setting one time. And it's, it's like hard to scale such a big idea like that. But um, yeah. Being nine pounds down uh, feels pretty good. I feel light on my feet. I feel faster. Um, I feel a little bit less strong, but that's okay because we're supposed to use more technique. Um, and yeah, I feel also just healthier. Um, being at like 164, 165 walking around felt a little bit too big for my own self. That, that was like the heaviest I've ever weighed on average. Um, but now I'm down to, you know, I walk around maybe 153 and then after jujitsu, after I sweat all my water out for the night, maybe I'm like 150, 151. So that's, that's where I am on the health stuff. Um, for those that, uh, are curious about my parents. So I've talked about my parents pretty frequently, um, during the podcast 1% section because, you know, Parents are important. I think parents are awesome. If you don't have parents, uh, I hope you have you know parental figures that you look up to, someone that you might consider a parent. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family friend, something. Um, my parents' health has gotten substantially better since the last sort of update where, you know, on some of my updates, uh, I felt pretty helpless in helping my mom's mental health. Um, there are further updates where my mom's mental health was getting better. 
then some updates where my stepdad was um, really deep into diabetes and developing neuropathy. Uh, the update today is that my stepdad has actually reversed his diabetes. So he's actually no longer taking metformin. Um, he had an A1C level, and I think that's the level of blood sugar in your blood, which is from diabetes. Quote, like, uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just how I look at it. The higher the number, the worse it is. Um, so he had a rating of like in, in 13 point something. Like that's where your nerves are dying. You're about to lose a limb uh, if you don't do anything. You're peeing a lot because your body is just trying to eject all the sugar from your body all the time because it's in your blood. You're so You're so filled with sugar. It was just really bad. So he got his first blood test. The A1C was off the charts. It was crazy. Uh, and then he had to make a big dietal shift. And he did that. So he stopped eating his ice cream. He stopped because he used to eat like a whole bunch of ice cream at night. Because um, it was just a habit at that point, you know. Um, and it was just, it, it was really bad. Uh, and then he realized if he kept on doing what he was doing, he would have to take shots. And. He's deathly scared of needles. Like he, like getting him to do his blood test was like pulling his teeth out. I swear. Uh, I oh my god, that was like a that was like a month long discussion of convincing him to go to get his blood work done. Glad it glad it happened because his neuropathy would have been worse. Um, but fast forward about a year and a few months. He reversed his diabetes. His A1C is like five point something or four point something now. Totally reversed. He could eat as normal as he's used to. Um, but we know now not to eat too much ice cream or ice cream before bed and all that good stuff that we like eating. That's really bad for your body. Um, so that was really, really uplifting to him. You know, he's a middle-aged man or... You know, that's why I used to say, but he he he's really a senior now, which is kind of sad. You know, every time I see him, he's he looks a little bit older. Um, but I love him. I love him so much. I'm glad that he reversed his diabetes uh, because I want him to live as long as he can uh, to keep my mom like company. Because I don't live with my parents. Um, I live down in uh, Southern California. My parents live in Northern California, and you know, at that age. And the frequency at which you see your friends or talk to your friends, you know, at least in my parents' realm, is very, very, very small. Um, so, you know, as long for as long as my parents could be partners to each other, that is what makes me happiest the most. And if I could help influence that decision by helping my stepdad's health, then great. My mom hasn't quite reversed her A1C levels to the extent that my stepdad has. Um, and primarily that's because I think, um, it, it, it's also funny. They both developed diabetes at around the same time. Uh, but my stepdad has just, has just recently reversed it fully all the way. But my mom is about like halfway there. Um, and it doesn't look like it would, of, of course I don't tell her this, like I don't see it going down much lower, but the fact that she lowered it down to this level is amazing in itself. Uh, but it's because she hasn't cut out rice from her diet. Because my mom's ideal meal is rice with kimchi and like this really salty, sweet, spicy paste called gochujang. 
and you mix that up and all the macros for that dish is carbs, right? You get you have tons of sugar from the paste, you have tons of sugar from the white rice, and you have a little bit of like fiber from the kimchi. Like I'm talking marginal fiber from the kimchi. But all that packed with jam packed with sodium, it is so unhealthy for you. But my mom loves eating that as a meal. And it's hard convincing her not to do it just because all the drugs that she's been taking for diabetes have really helped offset her blood sugar. So she's definitely getting like a more false reading of like how to handle this diabetes with her diet because, you know, she goes on a new medication. It works really well. Her, you know, blood sugar goes down. But really at the end of the day, it's just because of the drug. It's not necessarily like a huge change in diet. Though she has been eating less rice. So that's why I'm not... You know, when you get to this age, when you're calling your parents every day um, and, you know, you're, you are you love your parents. Like, I'm very fortunate that I have a good relationship with my parents and I love them. I want them to live a long time. That you pick and choose your battles, right? Like, I want to continue talking to them. I want to make talking to them like a very positive part of my day. So a part of that plan is not is sort of like getting too involved in their life choices just because they're also adults. Like they, they know better. And at this point, at this age, like really their goal should be to live as long as they can, but also to live the happiest life as they can. If that includes eating that bowl of rice with kimchi and gochujang, then so be it. This is the exact same philosophy that I had for my favorite uncle that lived in a trailer park that I grew up in. Um, wow, like my entire family on my mom's side before we met my stepdad grew up in the trailer park um, in my hometown. And my uncle also lived in that trailer park. Literally everyone in that trailer park like got a job, saved up, and bought a house. But my uncle stayed in that trailer park until he passed away, um, maybe like three years ago. And it... Like it didn't really click to me, and this is my, this is my last point because I know this one percent section is a pretty long time, um, but it didn't click to me till like years after he passed, maybe the second year, maybe like maybe like a year ago, two years ago. It didn't click to me just how crucial he was to our family because honestly, I could have visited him more, but I was also one of the only ones that ever did visit him, so that also makes me feel good that he knows that I cared. Um, that. He was the one that always tried to get the family together. or And the family that did get together was on my dad's side. Not to be confused with my stepdad's side, but my dad's side. My dad would go over, I would go over, and some of my other uncles from my dad's side would go over. Um, but his main thing was to always bring the family together. And it's almost like written in a Disney book, right? Like the, the poorest one in our family was the richest one in his heart. Like he had the least amount of money. He fed all the, I'm sure like all the cats in the, in the trailer park with the paycheck that he got from working at the commissary that he worked at, he worked at the commissary for, I think 40 years, which I'm sure that wage has not gone up because of the slowing wages. He's battled inflation. He's done all of this stuff. He, I don't think he bought a single stock this entire time. He would house homeless people for weeks, for months, for years at a time because he thought that they were a good person. He would help them with money every now and then. He thought he was they were a genuinely good person. He'd bring them in. Um, and I've met these homeless dudes. 
one one of one of his names was Jeff. He was um he was a really crucial part of my life when I was growing up. He would take care of me uh up until maybe I was like 7. Um then, you know, I would periodically visit every time for my uncle and Jeff. Uh Jeff passed away maybe when I was in high school. And then my uncle went out and then picked up another homeless man, uh, brought him in. His name was Ralph. Ralph was a Marine that that came back to the States um, and then developed a drug addiction from PTSD. It ended up on the streets. My uncle picked him up, brought him home, cleaned him up, and uh, made him sign up for all the benefits for uh, having PTSD. Ralph started collecting checks, gave all the checks to my uncle to make the trailer just look a little bit better, to feed the cats and the neighbor. Ralph would buy me gifts when I was in high school um, with these checks and so and my uncle. Like, dude, I don't know that sort of that that sort of altruism, that sort of like um, that sort of selflessness. Like I wish I had more of like legit like as as selfless or you know as positive as I can sound like on the podcast and on the stream, you know I have my limits too, but I am nowhere near as selfless as my uncle, and you know every time I do go home, I know his I know where his ashes were spread, so i I always visit him, I always say thank you. Um, I remember one of the best gifts I ever got when I was younger was uh, an Xbox, like an original Xbox. And he was he was basically the reason why I found out about Halo, right? Like he and he didn't have a lot of money at that. He never had a, enough money ever. Uh, and he got me a, a brand new Xbox for like one of my random birthdays. It wasn't because I graduated from a school or anything. It was just because it was my birthday. You know, yeah. Ooh, I, oh, my God. Yeah. It's cool, man. I, I miss my uncle a lot. Um, I talk to my dad, you know, frequently about him. You know, I'll text my dad randomly, and I'll be like, yeah, I miss, I miss, uh, I miss, I miss that uncle. Uh, and he'll text me, yeah, he does too, and that we should visit him soon. Uh, and I'm due for a visit to my parents and NorCal, where I'll then visit my uncle, um, probably in during Christmas time this year. I think maybe I'll spend this year with my fiance and her family for Thanksgiving. I think, or it's just gonna be vice versa, you know, one or the other. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm super fortunate to have a lot of positive people in my life, which I carry on through uh, interactions that I hold with other people. Um, very fortunate that I, you know, my family's really small, but I feel like I've always been accepted. I've never been really judged. And my family has just always been there for me, though I don't, I, I hate asking for help, but they are always there. Um, oh, also, yeah, my my mom does not know that I'm, I'm laid off. Uh, this has been about like four weeks now so yeah my mom doesn't know i don't want to tell her just because you know she has she's really she's a really anxious person and so one of you know i call her every day and one of her first questions is like hey you know how's work are you know are they paying you well and all that stuff because she wants to make sure that i'm doing okay and i know as soon as i say that i'm laid off she's gonna freak out she's gonna try to send me money and so i'm like oh dude i do I do not want that you spend that money going out with my stepdad, like, 
to breakfast or something. My mom has the hardest time spending money and it almost infuriates me because she saved up all of this money to spend later at at a later age and she had plenty of money. My family is doing really well. There's no reason why they, she should be as scared as she does, but that's just that first generation sort of mindset. It's like you got to save what you can because you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Very, again, last thing, I'm very fortunate to have very positive impacts in my life, whether it's friends, family, uh, my now fiance, um, and I hope that I can retain all these relationships for as long as I can because old age is coming. <laughs> I'm only 30, but I'm already talking about old age. Um, you know, Fostering friendships is also a lot of work, uh, but it's good work. It's good work to be had. I'm not a very sociable person, but when I do socialize, I like to put my all of my in, like go all in on it. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. That was that was today's one percent uh, section. I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your week, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>